Hey, good morning. I, um, I had the privilege of uh, spending the first part of this weekend up with our teens at snow camp. And when I say privilege, I can say it without all of the disclaimers. Sometimes when you use the word privilege in teenagers, you have to remind yourself that it's a privilege. And that's not a shot in any of the teens here. It's just a reality, you know. A lot of times when you're with a group of teenagers, you have to remind yourself, okay, this is a privilege that God's given me an opportunity to work with them. Because sometimes it takes a lot of patience, you know. And sometimes it takes a lot of grace. And sometimes it takes a lot of reminding yourself what you were like when you were a teenager. Because you were probably worse than a lot of, uh, a lot of these folks. Um, but this was not like that. This weekend was not like that. It was a privilege, and it is easy to say privilege. Because I'm going to give you a couple of stories. Instead of just kind of giving the, the broad stuff, I'm going to give you a couple of stories of what I saw this weekend. Um, usually, when you have sports, um, you have cussing, Right? Usually where you find sports, you find lots of cussing. And we, um, we were playing broomball this weekend, and, and it was slippery ice. It was Zamboni slippery ice. And that's usually not the case with an outdoor rink, but it was. And then when you play broomball, you don't have skates, you're on your shoes. And so there's lots of falling. And so you'd expect to hear, ah! Cuss. And, and, and when people haven't played a lot of broomball, there's not a lot of good stick control. So a lot of sticks across the shins were happening, you know? And, and you'd expect to hear, oh, and you'd expect to see gloves off, let's go. And none of that. I felt like I was in a Disney movie. Um, <laughs> because these guys were like helping each other up. They were like, good shot to the people who just scored on them. It was just, I'm looking around going, I got to learn from these guys. Because it was just, it was so good to see that when they're playing sports. And then when it came time for chapel, we had, had chapel services. And, and they'd come in and, and here are these students. Teenage guys with study Bibles opening up. People coming in and opening themselves up to worship and, and, and the Word. That was cool. It was great to see. Um, we, teen guys are good eaters. Teen guys are good eaters. Don't become a t- between a teen guy and his food, right? Well, I watched as our teen guys, at least most of them, when it came time to eat, letting the girls go first. Just doing that. Not, not us telling them, hey, ladies first. Just, they were just doing it. That was so cool to see. Um, I, I, we had teen after teen after teen. When, when it come time to do something, they say, how, how can we help? What do you need help with? That was great. And then this one, I'll never forget this one. With our leaders ahead of the, before the weekend, what I did with each of our leaders when they arrived, they each got a packet with info about the retreat. They also got a pad of Post-its. And I said, we said, leaders, here's your mission with these Post-its. I want, I want to see you guys writing affirmations to these teenagers. I want you to give encouragements to these teenagers. They hear enough junk. I want you to do that and then stick it on their bed, stick it on their chair, stick it on their Bible, stick it on their back, right? And so as the weekend's going, we're seeing all these students. It's like, you know, I'm in the military with all my badges of honor, you know? All these affirming words. Well, here's, here's the thing. One of our leaders comes. It was only Saturday morning. One of our leaders, Janet, she comes up, she goes, do you got any more of those post-it pads? And I said, you blew through your post-its already? She goes, well, it's, it's not for me. A couple of the teenagers said, can we get some of those post-its so we can start giving encouraging notes to our friends and to the others? Now, how cool is that? That's a privilege to spend time with them. Oh, and it gets better. Um, we had a communion service. Last night, we had our communion service. And, uh, and one of the things we told the teens, we said, you know what? Communion is optional. Well, we all sing together. Communion is optional. That's a sacred, holy thing. But one of the things we're going to ask that every one of you do is go pray with two of our leaders. 
and we had our leaders grouped up in twos. So just go pray. Whatever, whatever you want, we'll pray for you. And, uh, and so it was really cool because, you know, we didn't say, now, go. You know, we just, you know. And so watching this, you know, this young guy stand up and be the one to set the example and go. But here's what was so cool. Um, this guy went up and he prayed with, uh, prayed with two of our guy leaders. And he went back to his chair. And probably 10, 15 minutes later, I see him get up with one of his buddies. And they go back to the same two leaders that had prayed with them. And afterwards, one of those leaders shared. And he said, here's what happened. They came up to us and they said, hey, you've been praying for us. How can we pray for you? <laughs> That's a privilege to spend time. So I, I share these stories just you know, so you know a little what's going on. But I also share this. I want to say, parents, thank you. It's not easy to make the commitment that you need to make to, uh, to send them. So thank you. Uh, it's a big commitment to, to do that. So thanks for sending them. And then also for all of you who are part of this church, who, who give regularly, a big chunk of every dollar that comes in here goes to our kids and goes to our teens. We could not do this without all of us coming together. We had to scholarship a lot of students this time. Um, it's tough out there, you know. And, and the other things, we, we couldn't do it. So thank you all for making that possible. It, it was exciting. Well, at our teen camps, at our teen camps, when we, when we get together, we usually have a theme. And uh, our theme this weekend was the same theme that we're going to have now for all of us, and that is this, simple ways to wreck your life. While we were up at camp, we talked about simple ways that they could wreck their life as a teenager. And, and, and most of the things we talked about there, we're not going to talk about here as a group. I, we had... Uh, up at camp, we took the guys aside to a separate room um, for one of the sessions. And we said, guys, you want to mess up your life? It's really simple. Just be one of the guys. And we talked about what that meant. You want to mess up your life? You don't, it won't be hard at all. Just be one of the guys. We took the girls to a different room. Well, I didn't take the girls. The girls took the girls. And they went to another room. And they said, girls, you want to mess up your life? Always follow your heart. It's simple. You want to mess up your life? Just Always follow your heart. And so those are the kind of things we were talking about with the teens. Well, we're going to have the same theme, Simple Ways to Wreck Your Life, and we're going to be talking about what, what that means. It is easy, it is easy, it is easy to do something very, very simple that ends up wrecking your life. Now, let me pause real quick, give the big disclaimer. The big disclaimer is, if you've made mistakes, if you have had a train wreck in your life, welcome to the club, it happens to all of us. You can recover from that if you turn to God. So the point of the series is not, don't make a mistake, otherwise you're done, and you're going to be an example for the rest of us, and we'll say, look at that person. They messed up their life. They made a mistake. Don't be like them. That, that, that's, not, that's not where we're going with this. The, the point of the series is simple. The point of the series is, it's really, really easy to make really, really bad choices. You don't have to work at it at all. It is, it's so easy. It's so easy while you're driving and your phone rings to just go, wonder who it's from. A lot of bad things can happen when you do that. It's easy. Just answer your phone and all kinds of bad things could happen. It's easy. When you're mad, just say whatever comes to mind. You want to wreck your life? It's easy. When you're mad, just say whatever comes to mind. It can end up wrecking your life. It's, it's, it's easy. Um, before you send the email, don't think about it. Just send it. It'll feel so good for a second until they read it. You got to deal with it. Go ahead. If you want to wreck your life, it's really simple. Just, just 
just say that little lie. It's easy. Easy. It's easy. You want to wreck your life? Just charge it. Just charge it. Just sign the paper. It's easy. It's easy. Go ahead. Click that link that you wouldn't want your spouse to see you click. Go ahead. It's easy. Just easy. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to make simple decisions that are so simple but have really, 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 really bad consequences. It's so easy to do that. Now, um, regardless of your age, here are a couple things that, that you're going to find at least a couple of these that apply to you. Here's where we're going to go over the next couple weeks. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about, you, you want to wreck your life? Sin in secret. Sin in secret. Another way to wreck your life, protect your comfort zone. Another way to wreck your life, just if you're married, just coast. Just coast in your marriage. Another one, this is one that we did talk to the students about last night. You want to wreck your life? Just avoid funerals. Avoid them at all costs. Never think about death. And then uh, number 12, or on February 12th, this one's not in your notes yet. This one on the way um, up there, I decide we need to talk about this. Uh, fail the test. And we'll tell you what the test is. And we'll tell you how to fail it. It's simple. Everyone in this room could fail that test if you, if you want to fail it. So this is where we're going to go. For the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about simple ways you can wreck your life. None of these will cause you to break a sweat in terms of the effort you have to put in. None of them will take strategic planning. In fact, I don't even have to tell you to do these things. Most of these are just going to come naturally. If you want to wreck your life, just do it. Just follow your heart. Go with the flow. Do what most people do. Spend your money most, the way most people spend your money. Watch what they watch. Listen to what they listen to. It is easy. In fact, as, we're, as I'm saying those things, uh, it reminds me of a riddle that my seven-year-old told me. Here, here it is. I, I was tucking Andra into bed, and she goes, Dad, I got a joke for you. I said, okay, tell it to me. And her memory is better than mine. I have to write them out so I can remember what, what it was. But she said this. She goes, five copycats are in a boat. One copycat jumps in the river. How many copycats are left in the boat? The answer is zero. Why? Because they're all copycats. I'm like, that'll preach. That'll preach. You don't want to be a copycat in this world. You don't want to be a copycat. It is easy. It's easy to start seeing people go one direction. Oh, they're doing it. I'll do it too. But you don't want normal. Look at, look at some characteristics of normal in, 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 in our society, in our culture around us. It's normal to spread uh, lies or to lie and to spread gossip. It is normal to carry considerable debt. It is normal to be extremely dissatisfied in your work. It is normal to have superficial friendships with others. It is normal to have a strained relationship with your siblings, your spouse, your parents, your kids. It is normal to be unkind, rude, and even cruel to those you love most. It is normal to cheat on someone you are in a romantic relationship with. It is normal to be overly concerned about image management. It is normal to give in to cravings that isolate you from others. It is normal for your marriage to end in divorce. It is normal to become a narcissist, i.e. Facebook. You, you, it is normal. These things are normal. It takes no work on any of your part. Just be a copycat. Just do what everyone else does. Just go with the flow. And this life can be yours. But who wants that life? I don't want that life. And I think, I don't think, I know that most people, when they're honest... They want the life the Bible describes. Whether they are a professing believer or not, 
when they are most honest, they want the life that the Bible says is possible. Here are some characteristics of that. This is not a life that comes easy. This is not a life that comes naturally. But I think most people want to experience great joy and peace. I think most people want to possess remarkable self-control. I think people want to become content in all circumstances. They want to become people of character and integrity. They want to become increasingly compassionate and generous. They want to make choices that are wise rather than impulsive. They want to live with a sense of purpose, direction, significance, and meaning. They want to leave a legacy through those who have been impacted by their example. And I was following the news a little bit. There was a politician that quoted... He quoted C.S. Lewis. I've seen this quote attributed to C.S. Lewis. I've seen it quoted to attribute to other people, but I love the quote. Here's what most of us want with our relationships. We want relationships with others who know the song in your heart and can sing it back to you when you can't remember the words. Isn't that good? And isn't that what you want? But here's the thing. This doesn't come easily. You don't get this by jumping in the river with the copycats. You don't get this by coasting. You don't get this, whereas we're going to talk about later, you don't even get this by trying really hard. And it comes down to that word naturally, because this doesn't come naturally. Well, here's the question. As I think about this, as I think about that's the life we want, this is the life that comes naturally, why is that? Why, are we, why is our default not towards making our life better? Why is our default towards making our life worse? Why is that? I wrote this in your notes, this question. Have you ever wondered why you don't naturally pursue the life you want most? Why doesn't that come naturally? Well, if you've ever wondered that question, you know, it's, it's, it's something that you just can't blame on historically recent events. And by historically recent, I mean like in the last hundred years or so. You can't just blame it on, oh, our culture now has, has taken this nosedive. This, this is not the fault of Beatlemania, you know? This is not the fault of, as some would say, the AC, uh, ACLU. This is not the, um, the fault of when, when advertising started to get really bad, when, when Marky Mark showed his waistband, and it was downhill from there, you know? Remember those Calvin Klein ads? Hopefully you don't remember them too well, ladies. Um, but, but anyway, it's, it, it goes back way past that. Way past that. In fact, we're going to take a look right now at some words that are translated into English. They were originally written in Greek. They were written around the year 60 A.D., 6-0. And they're describing the same thing. Why don't I do what I want to do? Here's, here, here are the words translated in English. From a first century person writing this down. This is a real person, real letter, really writing this down. He says, I don't really understand myself. For I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I what? I do what I hate. All right. How many of you are honest enough to admit sometimes that's you? Raise your hand, please. Just let's. Just, okay. Did we get every hand? Because we did this with the teenagers. Every hand went up. And why is it that if I ask you, if, if I went to any country in the world, if I went to any time after they built, they chomped into the apple, why is it you could ask any people, any gender, any culture, any time, and if they're honest, 100% of the people would say that. I want to do this, but I do this. That's worth thinking about. 
I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Why is that? Well, let's look at some of the context around this. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to Romans 7. This first century letter um, was one that's recorded in our Bible. And these words aren't just this person's experience. It's infused, permeated with the Holy Spirit, inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And here's what, here's what Paul, the man's name was. Here's what Paul says about this. Paul says, I don't really understand myself. For what I want, I want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But look what he says. He goes, but if I know what I'm doing is wrong, this shows I agree with, he's meaning referring to God's law, God's law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. I want to hit pause for a second. If we had more time, I could show you multiple places where Paul is not saying, it's not my fault. Hey, it's not my fault. I have no responsibility for this. We're held accountable for our decisions. So he's not saying that. What he's trying to get at is there's something in me that does this. There's something in this that compels me to do this. That's, that's, that's what he's saying. He goes, so I'm not the one doing what's wrong. It is this sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. At least that is in my sinful nature. Um, if you're reading along in your Bible, it might. how many of you have, does it say flesh in some of yours? The flesh? That There's, there's no perfect English translation for this. So, but he's trying to describe there's this thing that's it's like an infused in you. You couldn't pull it completely out if you tried. It's, it's this part of you, this sinful part of you, whether it's a sin nature or, or, or your flesh. Um, he's, you've got this, this thing in you. Um, and so I know that nothing good lives in me, that my sinful nature. I want to do what's right. I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's this sin living in me that does it. So here we have years around 60. This, this, this person is describing something that we all raise our hand. This is, this is us. There is something in us. Um, in, when we were talking about this with the teenagers, uh, we, I, I said it could be called sin nature, it could be about the flesh. The, the term we used was mess up magnet. It's like all of us have a mess up magnet in us. Here's mess up over here. It pulls you towards the mess up. And the other thing we talked about, we, we brought out a compass. And we said, you know, with a compass, it, it's supposed to point north. What happens if you get a magnet around that compass? It messes with the compass, right? The mess-up magnet not only pulls you towards what's wrong, it also helps, it confuses what's right. And we all have that in us. We have the, the mess-up magnet. We have a sin nature. We have this flesh in us. That's why I would encourage you to write this down, because this is the theological um, framework for everything we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. You, you got to get this part. Um, can we put down uh, the, the next quote there? And there's a place to write this in your notes. In our fallen world, sin comes what? Naturally, because of the sin nature. In our fallen world, it's not just you. It's not just you. If you're thinking, oh, why is, why is this my experience? It's not just you. You saw every hand in here. It, it comes naturally. Sin comes naturally to us. It takes absolutely no effort on your part to drift further and further away from a life that honors God and brings you lasting joy, peace, and fulfillment. That will come naturally. The natural drift in this culture, it, it, it's, it's going to pull us away um, from God's best. Well, as I was reflecting on this, I thought about a story from my own life that I think illustrates this well. I was, uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in the country, and, uh, and so you kind of make your own adventures up in the country. And one of the adventures we had, we had this thing called the Eggleston Trail. And 
about a couple miles from our house, there was this old town that used to be a town and no longer was really a town. And there was this trail that led to another place that never really was a town called Eggleston. So um, there was Edder, there was Eggleston, and this trail kind of connected the two. We're not sure about the origins of this trail, but it was kind of cool because along the way, you would see ra- some railroad ties in the ground. So possibly it was a, 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 a railroad track connecting. I don't know. What I do know is it was our Goonies without the gold. Um, this trail was our Goonies without the gold. It was, it was, it was an interesting trail. You, you'd pick up, you know, at one place, we'd get on our little bikes, and we'd start biking. And, and this trail followed a river. That's important. The trail followed a river on your left, and then at parts of it, there were these huge bluffs on your right. And it was cool because at some points of the trail, the vines and the, and the trees would form a complete canopy. So there were times where you're walking through this trail. It was like a tunnel. We thought that was cool. There was a place where there had been some kind of washout, and it was there was no water whatsoever, but here was this river of sand, literally a river of sand. We thought that was cool. You'd ride your bike as far as you could until you'd it'd stop, and then you have to walk your bike and, and that type of thing. So there's a river of sand. You guys seem very underimpressed by this, but <laughs> but we thought it was cool. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that was neat is partway along the, on, around the trip, there was natural springs bubbling up. There was water bubbling up from the ground. Hopefully it was safe to drink because I drank a lot of it. Um, but it was close to Prairie Island Nuclear Power Plant, but, you know... So I may have explained some things, but we, it was, we thought it was very cool. You can drink water coming up from the ground. We thought that was really neat. And then the coolest part was completely politically incorrect, but we thought it was great. Um, we called it the gypsy wagon. Partway along this, this trail, off to the side, there was this old, old, old wooden wagon that had the, that had the wheels, the wagon wheels, like a covered wagon. It had a roof. It had a door. I don't know who started calling it the gypsy wagon, but that's what we called it, and we'd explore it. And then at the end of the trail, we'd get to, it was this little country bar that was in the middle of nowhere. And this little country bar, we called it the Eggleston Store. That probably was code for my mom and dad. Um, <laughs> call it a store. But we'd go there, and then we'd play pool. You'd put the quarter in the pool thing, and you'd play pool. And then you'd feast on Deli Express sandwiches. <laughs> Deli Express sandwiches, man. So we were living high. So we'd get on our bikes. We'd go to Eggleston's store. We'd have fun. We'd come back home. Well, one day, this is, here's where all, all that background for this story. Um, one day, my dad, who was mu- very much a, you know, act first, think later kind of guy, one day he comes home with this really old rowboat, really old rowboat, didn't even look waterworthy. And on the back of that real old rowboat was a really old motor. So he must have got this thing free or cheap. He comes home and he goes, kids, great idea. We're going to put in this boat at the start of the Eggleston Trail in the river. We are going to boat down to the Eggleston store, have fun, boat back upstream. That was plan A. You know what plan B was? We'll we'll make it up when we get there. We don't need a plan B because we got a plan A. So we go down. We're having fun at the Eggleston store. We're out of money. They're out of Deli Express sandwiches. It's getting dark. It's time to go home time to go home. So we get into the boat, and I don't remember how many of my brothers and sisters were with me. If all of them were there, it would have been six kids and my dad in a rowboat with a little motor. Time to go home. He goes to pull the, the motor. He pulls it, and I was sitting there. I saw it happen. I've never seen it happen since. Um, the motor falls in the water. <laughs> the whole motor. He goes like this. Motor goes like that. And I remember him kind of looking down there and going... My dad was a farmer, engineer. He could fix anything except this. So then here we are. We're looking upstream. And I don't, have any of you guys ever tried to row upstream in a rowboat? 
with six kids. So we're, this is our plan B now. So we're trying to make headway, and we're getting nowhere fast. We are getting nowhere fast. Because my dad made the mistake that almost all of us make when we come to a realization that I'm downstream, I want to be upstream. He just started rowing. And that seems like the logical thing to do, doesn't it? If you're downstream, you want to get upstream, start rowing. And I've got some great news for some of you. It's not going to sound like great news, but it'll make more sense as we go on. Some of you, the reason why you're, you're so frustrated with your faith, so frustrated with yourself, the great news to some of you is one of the reasons why Christianity just feels like such an oppressive thing is that you're, you're just trying to row upstream. And you're skipping to step three before doing two things that you need to do before getting to step three, especially in this culture. So let's, let's look at those things. Um, here, here, let's give this broad overview and then we'll unpack a little bit. You don't need natural strength. You aren't strong enough to row upstream. You aren't strong enough to fight that sin nature. You need supernatural grace and strength. And what I'm not going to tell you is, well, the problem is you haven't prayed about it because a lot of you have been praying about it and nothing's changed. That's not, I'm not going to tell you it's that easy. But I am going to tell you, you need supernatural strength because you're not strong enough to row upstream. Supernatural grace and strength are required to find your way home. And obedience, obedience, the rowing, obedience without pruning and abiding will prove impossible to maintain. Last week, when we were together, we talked about, we read this passage that I wasn't planning to read last week, and it applies to this week, which I didn't think it necessarily would. But this is huge. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to John 15, 1 through 3. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back and listen, because we're just going to do a quick overview, because it applies. If you don't, also, if you don't have a Bible at home, we'd love to send you home with one free today. There's a stack of them right there at the table, the welcome table on your way out. All right. John 15, 1 through 3, and this is, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus says this, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he what? He prunes. He prunes that it will bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Okay, let's, again, we can't spend a ton of time talking about this, but I want to I wanna talk about a couple things. Um, because this is so, 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 so important. All right, last week, as we unpacked this a little bit for what this meant for our church, one of the things we talked about was how the vines and vineyards, when you see those in the Bible, that's code. That's code. And it's not supposed to be secret code. It's code. When you see vine and vineyards, generally it's talking about God's covenant people, people that are in relationship with God. That's generally what that code is for. And in the Old Testament, the vine rep- represents these covenant people of God. Well, one of our biggest challenges as a church, we said last week, is we're going to have to prune. We're going to have to let God prune us. We have to say no to a lot of good so we can have God's best. And for some of you this year, before you just only focus on rowing, you need to let God do some pruning. You need to let God do some pruning because you've got a lot of good that's weighing down your rowboat. And you can go upstream in a kayak. How many of you guys have gone kayaking before? You can go upstream in a kayak. One person, little, little, little rowing. When you don't have all the baggage, when you don't have the big drag, you can go upstream a lot easier. Eventually, you run out of steam. So the analogy, I guess, still works there. Where the analogy doesn't work is throw everybody overboard. So it's save yourself, you know. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am trying to say is, is, uh, is, is 
you know, there are going to be some good things. One of the reasons, you guys, you're so exhausted, you're trying to fit God into a schedule that, that he can't fit in. You've got to say no to some stuff this year. One of the reasons you're exhausted is you're trying to roll upstream with this boat that is just filled to capacity. You got, if you've got kids that are in 18 gazillion activities, they don't have to do all the activities. Some of you are in 18 gazillion activities. You can't do them all. What, what is the good that God would like to prune so that you have some strength and some energy and some focus, some reserves, so that you're not in this just barge? You ever seen a barge? Some of our lives, we're a barge, and we wonder as we're rowing, God, why is this so hard? Because you're trying to row a barge upstream. You got no energy. It's not going to go. Your life is too cumbersome. So there's that part of pruning, of just letting go of some good so you can have the best. But there's the other part of pruning. We looked at this a little bit. Look at the word here. Again, this is an English translation. In the Greek, the idea of pruning and cleansing, I understand, are closely related to one another. The idea of pruning and cleansing. And notice how he kind of flips it here. There is some stuff in your life, it's not good. It's not good that needs to be pruned. It's some cleansing that needs to happen. And some of you, it's that your rowboat is filled with stuff that it should not be filled with. And that's one of the reasons it feels so hard. Because it's two steps forward and one step back or three steps back. Now, here's the thing about pruning. Pruning is not an end in itself. The goal of pruning is not pruning. Pruning, as you begin to allow God to prune your life, reveal what needs to go, it enables you to abide. So pruning is kind of a first step in enabling you to abide. Another word for pruning, biblically, would be repentance. You're, you're saying no to these things so you can turn your attention to what God would have for you. And that's this abiding piece. Um, let's continue on with John. It continues to say in verse 4, after talking about the pruning, it says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do what? You can row, try to row a barge upstream is what you can do if you're not abiding in God. That's where the power is going to come from. As you are able to say no to these things, put yourself in a situation where you're able to fill your mind, fill your heart, Feel your life, get that compass back on track. That's where you're able to start now to move forward in your in your faith, where you're in a place to abide. I want to show you something that I again I didn't make the connection before this week. We learned last week that the word abide, our English word bide, that comes from the Greek word, um, that that is is another word that you could use another you could you could translate just as easily as dwell. Okay, so in that passage that we just read where it says abide, instead of saying abide, you could say dwell because, because the, 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 the concept is, is, is very similar. Look what happens if we take the words of Jesus about dwelling in him and look at if we take that and superimpose it next to the um, passage we read about dwelling in, in, in sin. Look at this. Jesus then says, dwell in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it dwells in the vine, neither can you unless you dwell in me. I am the vine, you're the branches. Whoever dwells in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So he's talking dwell, 
dwell, dwell, dwell with God. Well, look at what we just read before. So it is no longer I who do it, but sin that what? Dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what's right, but not the ability to carry it out. Well, part of the reason we don't have the ability to carry it out is because we're dwelling where we shouldn't dwell. We're, we're, we're not pruning, we're not abiding, or we're abiding in the wrong place. And so, of course, it's going to be harder to do what's right. Because if our mind is on the things of the, of the world, we're not going to have the mind of Christ. If our, if our best energy is given to the things of the world, we're not going to have our best energy to devote to God. And, and what happens is, we begin to feed, as we dwell in the sin nature, we begin to feed the sin nature. And as we don't abide in God, we begin to shrink down that part of us. It should be the other way around. There was a, a news story, another news story I saw um, in, lately, and there, and there was this guy, a 60-year-old guy, he's running in Chicago. And maybe some of you heard this story. This 60-year-old guy's running in Chicago, gets attacked by two huge pit bulls while he's out running. Huge pit bulls. And when I say huge, they were huge because, because one guy saw this guy in trouble, comes out with a baseball bat and starts smacking the dogs with a baseball bat. That doesn't put him down. It took two police officers, both firing multiple rounds into these dogs to put the dogs down. That's the kind of dogs that went up against the 60-year-old guy. How do you think 60-year-old guy versus two pit bull dogs did? Not well. I don't, I don't know how the story ends. I, I didn't see the follow-up, but at the time, he was, he was um, critical, condi- critical condition. He was in bad, bad shape. Now, if, if he had been out running and a little chihuahua, you know, came up, it would be very irritating because they go, yip, 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 but, but, but six-year-old jogger guy could have just went, you know, because it's just a little chihuahua. And what you want to do is you want to chihuahua-size your sin nature. <laughs> That's not going to show up in any quote book anywhere, <laughs> but... But it's what you want to do because, because we're all going to have the sin nature. We're all going to have the sin nature in us. And are you going to feed it and let it get to become beastie? Or are you going to starve it so that it's just, yep, 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 yeah, quiet. Yep, 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 yeah, quiet. It would be irritating, but not overpowering. And some of us, because of where we dwell, we've got in our rowboat, we've got big beastie pit bulls. And of course you're not going to get upstream as they're chomping into you. You understand what we're saying? You want to dwell where God is so you can feed the spirit rather than feed the sin nature. This is going to be a paradigm shift for a lot of you, but please write this down. Good people and bad people are misleading categories. Good people and bad people are misleading categories. If you start thinking yourself as a, I'm a good person, and these are bad people, that's misleading. Every one of us has a sin nature in us. Every one of us has it. There aren't people who don't and people that do. There's people that make worse choices, absolutely. But there's not good people and bad people. There's, there's, there's humanity who all raise their hand when we ask that question we ask. So the question isn't whether you're a good person or you're a bad person. The question is, when you recognize there's a sin nature at work in you, are you going to repent? Which means to turn, to say, God, take these things that may be good but aren't the best. Take these things that 
I need to get cleansed from. You turn, you start abiding in God, you start then discovering that you have strength and power that you never knew you were capable of. And then you can be obedient rather than just getting out there and trying to row hard. Focus on pruning. Focus on abiding. And as you do those things, you're going to find yourself motivated more to be obedient. You're going to find strength and self-control that comes from God that you didn't have before. Don't just jump to the obedient piece. Well, here's going back to my river adventure. Here's how our river adventure ended that day. Eggleston Trail was probably about half an hour ago when we talked about that. But here's, here's the thing. Here's how it ended. Um, we're, my dad's doing the best he can to row. I remember I took my shot at it. Kind of like, Dad, obviously you're not getting anywhere. You know, third grade me is going to row us to victory here. I don't know what I was thinking. But, so, so, but, anyway, but we were getting nowhere. Well, a, ro- a big mo- a motorboat comes by with a real motor. And, <laughs> and uh, they come by. And, and what my dad did is he humbled himself because who likes to ask for help, you know? He humbles himself. He goes, hey, save us, you know? <laughs> and they threw us a rope and we tied on to grace and they pulled us home. They threw us a rope. We tied on to grace. They pulled us home. And the great news of salvation in Jesus Christ is he wants to help you. He's, he's not just watching you float downstream and saying, I don't want to help. He's not just, he, he's, he's not saying, okay, roll back to me. He's saying, tie on to me. Let go. Get, shrink that dog down. Here, let me show you how. Cast the stuff out of your boat that shouldn't be in your boat. Come and, and abide with me. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. And in that, you're going to find strength that, you, that, that, that isn't natural. It's supernatural. But here's the thing. Pruning isn't the end. Abiding isn't the end. Um, obedience isn't the end. The life you never knew you always wanted, that's the end. And that's where God wants to bring you. He wants to bring you home. Will you let him do that this year? Easy to float downstream. Will you let him take you upstream? That's the question I want to leave you with. Would you please stand as we close here today? Let me pray for us as we go forth. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you do have good news for us. You have good news. You have good news that you don't want us to just keep floating farther and farther downstream. Thank you, Lord, that you care about us, that you love us that much, that, that well, who are we that you're mindful of us? Many of us, we're, we were swimming downstream. We looked at, okay, someone needs to hear this. You looked at God You knew you weren't supposed to go downstream and you swam downstream anyway. God, thank you. Tell that person right now or people, tell them that you want, you still want them to come home and that you would be overjoyed if they would take your hand and and let you pull them back. Lord, let, let those people or that person hear that. Let them see your hand reaching out to them. Let them see them falling downstream. Let them... Let them, and right now, God, let, let them see their hand grab yours. And you start to pull them in with, with hope and love on your face. And Lord, for some people who just found themselves downstream, Lord, let them hear your voice calling, saying, there's another way, there's another way. There's an, you have a choice. You have an, an alternative. 
to floating downstream. And, and for Lord, I pray for those people who have been rowing so hard. They thought, they've been told, just try harder. Just pray more effectively. Just this, just that. Lord, Lord, give your grace to them. Help them to, may that lie be shattered that it was about their willpower or about their weakness. Our, our, our spirits are willing, our flesh is weak. Lord, help them to, to forgive themselves. And, and Father, may they too see your hand. May they too grab hold of it. And for those of us, Lord, who just, we've just piled a lot of stuff in the boat. We've been, we've been having more drag than we need, Lord. Reveal to us specific things. Stuff that needs to be cleansed, songs that need to go, DVDs that need to be tossed today in the trash, um, whatever it is, friendships that we need to put some distance in, what, whatever it is, God, give us the courage to, to just toss it out of the boat today. Not kind of put it off to the side, it's on a leader, dragging behind, but toss it so that, God, we can start to have the capacity and the energy and then teach us what it means to abide, to dwell with you, to pray without ceasing, Bring brothers and sisters around that can encourage us on our walk so that we can experience the joy of, of not just a, of a clenched fist, clenched jaw obedience, but the joy of righteousness that we experience life the way it was rightly supposed to be lived. All right, Lord, that's a lot of blessings we're asking for for a lot of different folks, but you're a big God. So do that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. See you next week. Sin in secret. We'll tell you all about it. How can wreck your life?